can see me. All right. I want to do something real fast. This is Family Sunday morning. Could anyone who has been here at Church of the Savior for five or more years stand up? All right. All right. Now, remain standing if you've been here for 10 or more years. I remain standing if you've been here for 15 or more years. Some of y'all are still figuring it out. Are 20 or more years, 25 or more. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you guys for being here. Yeah, these these are the OGs. They've been here since, you know, the student center was the main sanctuary and all that. So thank you guys. All right, I'm Fontes Hill. I'm the youth pastor here at Church of the Savior. First of all, I gotta say, uh, the first service is amazing, but I can feel the spiritual atmosphere in this 11 o'clock service. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I've been here for, yeah, come on. I've been here for two years. My wife and I, um, she's from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm originally from Springfield, Illinois, and we just moved to Lexington. So I've been here for two years and I love it here. Absolutely love it here. I have a two month old son. He's actually two months today. His name is Judah. And I have a two year old daughter. Her name is Genesis. And we're just super pumped for what God is doing here at COS. Now, who, raise your hand if this has been a year and a half since I've spoken on a Sunday morning, if you were here last time I spoke. Okay, so you guys are still here. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, <laughs> I spoke on hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, this morning, I'm talking about there is more. Not only hungering for more, but what is the more? Last time I spoke, my friend Jordan, I have a friend who lives in Florida, we met in college at Campbell's University, she texted me the scripture that I was preaching on. It was Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Well, my wife Lindsay told her that I was preaching this morning, and Jordan, here she goes again, sends me this audio text. Does anyone use audio voice message in the text? Yeah. Do that with driving. So, she sent me and Lindsay this audio text message, and she said, hey, I had this impression to tell you whenever Lindsay was telling me that you're speaking that there's more to come. And I just thought, two for two. Come on. Like, <laughs> praise the Lord. So I believe that God has given me a word for somebody, definitely for this congregation this morning. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, we're talking about the more of God. Has anyone ever heard this phrase before? Like the more or... There is more, the more of God, something along those lines. Before I start, I want to say uh, what the more is not. All right. So uh, could someone actually do my clicking real fast? I think I left my clicker over here, so I'm just going to grab it. Actually, it's in my back pocket. There it is. All right. I usually don't put anything back there. All right. So first of all, I want to say that the more is not better doctrine. Now, I'm going to go over three of these things, what I'm going to say the more is not. And I don't want you to hate me. You got to hang with me as I discuss these things. It's all going to make sense. Okay. So number one, the more is actually not better doctrine. What I mean by that is better theology. Now, as the years have gone by, generations have passed, we've gotten better revelation, better understanding. You have Martin Luther and the Reformation, right? So we have better understanding of the scriptures and Christianity. But 
How many of you know you can have the knowledge of God, you can know about God, you can study theology, but still be disconnected from God? Yeah, you can actually study so much, but may not know him so much. And so whenever I say the more of God, I'm not directly referring to better doctrine, though this is super important. And then number two, whenever I'm talking about the more, I'm actually not even referring to more miracles. All right. I believe in the spiritual gifts. I teach on the spiritual gifts. I want to see God's glory descend on the earth in mighty, mighty great exploits and ways. Jesus himself said that the works that he does, we're going to do in greater, right? But here's the thing. If you've ever read Matthew chapter 7, there's going to be people who come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many miracles and cast out demons and prophesy in your name? And can anyone finish it? He'll say, yeah, depart from me, for I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness, or some translations say work iniquity. And so I believe that we are called to do more miracles, but that is not the more, especially if people are actually going to not know him while doing it. And then number three, please don't hate me for this one, all right, is revival. I, I don't believe that the more primarily is revival is what I'm talking about. Now listen, God has given me a burden to pray for revival. I know that God has placed on my heart to contend and pray for revival for our youth group, for our church, and for our city, and for our nation. I pray for those things almost literally every single day. In fact, has anyone heard of Fresh Start Church in Arizona? Um, Not only is God going to send revival, but there's places in our nation right now that God's already reviving and doing a mighty work in. One of these is Fresh Start Church in Arizona. I don't know how many years, but God's been doing a mighty work in this church. And then you got Christ Fellowship Church in Dawsonville, Georgia. Has anyone heard of what God's doing there? The pastor, Todd Smith, was actually here in Lexington, uh, I think it was last year. So he had this vision of fire on the baptism waters. And we were were having eight people baptized uh, this morning. We got two and then we had two at 11 o'clock, and then we got four after this service. And so God's doing a mighty move, even at Dawsonville, Georgia, Christ Fellowship Church. So God is pouring out His Spirit, and He is in the business of revival. But whenever I primarily refer to the more of God, that there is more, I don't mean better doctrine, more miracles, or revival, especially if you know that revival is for reformation, actually. Revival should produce reformation and should call out the remnant. You know, we've been on this series of Revelation, and Pastor Steve used a supplemental verse talking about that in the end times, even the elect would be deceived. And so if there's going to be a mass harvest, there's also going to be a mass departure. And so the revival should be for the remnant and for the reformation. So I'm not talking about this is the more. Now, what I'm talking about whenever I refer primarily is true friendship with God. True friendship with God. Hey, go ahead and ask your neighbor. Actually, look at him and say, are you a friend of God? Ask him, like, are you a friend of God? Are you? He said yes. <laughs> so, true friendship with God is what I mean by the more. Now, the things that I mentioned, better doctrine, more miracles, and revival... Those are important, and you can contend for those, and you can biblically seek after those things, but they should be a secondary result of primary proximity to God. Amen?
So your first um, primary priority is true relationship and deep friendship with the creator of the universe. And these other things should be a byproduct of that. Now, John 15, 12 through 17, you can go ahead and turn there. August 28th, John Futch, he preached on joy and he used John 15, 1 through 11. Actually, that morning, my son Judah was born at 1025 in between services, and he preached on joy. And so I thought that was just amazing and prophetic. Kids, whenever you see COS kids sign, that means that it's going to help you in your handout. All right, so definitely be paying attention to that so that you can fill out your handout as well. So we're going to read John 15, 12 through 17. I'm going to start where John Futch had left off in August, and we're going to be talking about friendship with God this morning. This is what it says from the New King James Version. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and that whatever you ask in the Father, ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. All right, so right here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he talks about he is the true vine, they are the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he starts talking about, I say this, that your joy will be full, or other translations say complete. And then he goes into talking about friendship with him. Now, I'm doing the preaching thing this morning, and I love, and I love to speak, but I really love to just have one-on-one conversations and get down on the ground and talk with you guys, pray with you guys. So since I'm preaching, I'm going to do the preacher thing. I have four points for you, all right? So I have four points, but here's what's cool. Uh, I, I wasn't trying to do this. As I was looking through the passage, I felt like the Lord grouped specifically 12 through 15 together in four different ways of how Jesus wants us to be his friend. All right, so number one, a friend loves. Number one is a friend loves. Just breaking down 12, 13, 14, and 15, uh, verses 16 and 17, I'm going to go over that more this Friday at Encounter about the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm going to be talking about friendship this morning. So do you guys raise your hand if you, you feel like you understand biblical love? All right. Maybe, yeah, maybe some of y'all. Okay. So biblical love is a decision, not just a feeling. And I'm going to elaborate on that, but biblical love is more of a decision over how you feel. To give you an example, in Genesis chapter 6, the flood. Do you know the reason why God flooded the earth in Genesis chapter 6? There was so much sin on the earth, God said he felt sorry that he created man. Read it. Check this out. There was so much sin on the earth, God felt sorry that he created man, as the Bible says. Now, I read this a few years ago, and I've heard of Noah and the flood. I've heard of the ark, but whenever I read it a few years ago, I mean, I, I cried. I thought, this has hid me for some reason, because I now realize that God has feelings, and I had a better understanding for the cross. 
In Romans 5, 8, it says, Though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see what I'm saying now? Even after the flood, there was still sin. And there's still sin today. But God still sent his son. Isn't that amazing? He flooded the earth and he said, you know what? I'm going to give you grace. And though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God didn't feel like it, but he still sent his son. I'll give you an example of Jesus himself, Matthew 26, 39. I'm going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus right before he's about to get captured. Check this out. Jesus knows he needs to be crucified on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, for the redemption of us, so we can know our purpose, our meaning. But in other words, he's saying, is there another way? Right? Not, 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 not as I will, but God, if, if, if you will any other way, can there be any other way? Could, could this cup pass from me? Could this suffering pass from me? Right before he's about to get beaten, whipped, all those different things, he's praying to God, is there any other way? So I want you to see that Jesus himself did not feel like dying on the cross according to this passage of scripture, but he chose to. Amen? That's something. Amen? Right? Okay, that's good. Yeah, y'all stay with me. All right. I'm a youth pastor. I got it. All right. So he chose to love us even though we did not, even though he didn't feel like it according to Matthew 26 in the flesh. Now, I'm going to go to the second point, but number one, a friend loves, we're called to love even when you don't feel like it. That's what I want you to get at. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 12. Now, number two, a friend sacrifices. Verse 13 is literally talking about how Jesus laid down his life for the world, and he's actually inviting us to do the same thing for one another. Not only death, but your plans. Will you drop your plans for God's plans? Has anyone ever had a plan, whether it's a five-year plan, 10-year plan, 25-year plan, or five-second plan, and God changed it? Yeah? All right. Um, so, so, and I'm not talking about you changed it, like God actually changed it. You used to want to be a psychologist. You used to want to be a mechanic. And some of those dreams came true, but for some of you guys, it's like, no, God completely changed my life, and I was going to do something else. Some of you guys are like, I was supposed to be in the NBA. No, no, you wasn't. No, I'm but, you know, so you have plans, but God can change your plans. And if you obey them, then what is it called? It's called sacrifice. You know, you give those things up for him. Proverbs 18.24, it says, A person of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Check this out. You know, Jesus had thousands of followers, thousands of disciples. But 12 were his main disciples, the 12 apostles. 11, because Judas betrayed him in this passage of scripture, he called friends. I'm going to do some Bible quiz real quick. Three, I would call his close friends, right? He took them on a mountain where he's transfigured. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Who? Peter, James, and John. And then one, let's call Jesus' best friend. 
We've been talking about the book of Revelation. Jesus revealed his full glory to this guy. This dude, he called himself the beloved disciple. He laid in Jesus' chest. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Who? John. John. Yes. So let's look at how Peter, James, and John sacrifice. Peter was crucified upside down because he felt that he was unworthy to die in the same manner that Jesus did. James, he was put to death by the sword, according to the book of Acts, by King Herod. And, you know, some scholars say more specifically that he was beheaded. And then you got John, the beloved disciple. He was plunged into boiling oil, but he actually came out unscathed. And this, John was the only apostle that was not martyred. All the rest of them were. So these guys, they really exemplified that John fifteen thirteen to lay down your life for one's friends. Number three, I'm going to like just blaze through this and tell you guys some stories at the end and hopefully provoke you to go deeper uh, with the Lord. Number three, a friend is reliable. So verse 14, specifically Jesus is telling his disciples, whatever I tell you to do is going to deal with loving God and it's going to deal with loving people. In other words, can God count on you to be loved because God is love. Can you be reliable where he can count on you to love the world? Matthew twenty twenty eight and in Mark, it says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus likes to serve. He loves to love and he loves to serve people. And so one of the ways that you can partner with God and grow closer to the Lord is if you serve people and serve his people. Now, who likes football in here? All right. So I played college football at Campbell's University. It looks like I should have played golf. I know it. But I'm not hating on golf either. But um, I played football at CU. I was actually a linebacker. I was one of the smallest in the field. We got two rings. Anyways, reminiscing. So I got married in 2019. That's my wife, Lindsay. Whenever we got married, uh, later on that year, at our first year of marriage, we went to alumni, uh, a college football game, and it was the homecoming game. And I invited her. I said, hey, it's homecoming. We should go watch Kimmelsville play. And she she's, she grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, so she's a Bengals fan. And I'm like, ew, I'm a Steelers fan. But she, she don't boo-boo me. All right, so <laughs> she understands football somewhat, but not really. So really, she wasn't going to watch Kimmelsville play She was going just to spend time with her new husband. So I want to say this. Sometimes it's not even really the activity that you do. It's what you're doing the activity with, who you're doing it with, right? So whenever you love people and serve people, God loves to do that. And you actually are spending time with him as you're doing it. Amen? All right. Check this out. In this passage, Jesus is saying, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Now, it's going to bring me into my next point. But I actually like that he uses that word command because he's reminding his disciples that though I'm calling you friends and I'm no longer calling you servants, you still got to remember that I'm the king of kings and lord of lords and you will function as a friend and a servant. So number four, a friend is trustworthy. A friend is trustworthy. In other words, 
you're worthy to be trusted with confidential information. Worthy to be trusted with confidential information. Are there any parents in here that you have your kids that are now your friends? Yeah, yeah, some of you guys. All right. Now, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like your 12-year-olds who th- you think that, you, you know, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, you, you get to a certain age and you're out of school and you guys are, you know, you, you actually go shopping, you do that. Okay, so you, you got your friends, are, they're um, of age now. So mama and daddy probably have done this before. If they haven't, then they will do it at some point. They, you can call them friends, but at some point, they're going to say, hey, I'm still mama, and I'm still daddy first, and friend second. Yeah, woo! Yeah, exactly. So they're putting you in your place. Now, again, you, you can be the friend, but at first, they're still mama and daddy. Any supervisors in here? You got some? All right. Come on. All right, so supervisors... You have your vision and your mission, and you share it with your company, your organization, but do you share absolutely everything? No, you don't share absolutely everything with the organization. You only share all that information, like the close, the, the, the deep stuff, with probably higher-up coworkers, maybe your spouse, and your best friends. And what I wanted to get at is that the latter portion of this verse, it talked about Jesus revealed what was revealed from the Father. For all things that I heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Check out Psalm 25, 14. Does anyone do parallel, like you compare different translations of Scripture? So we're going to do that with this verse. It says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. And then in the ESV it says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. NIV, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. And the New King James Version, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Now, what I wanted to get at is that you can actually be so close. This is, this is biblical. There is differences in relationships, proximity to God. That you can be so close to the Lord to where he confides in you, where he shares his secrets with you, to where he calls you his friend, not just his servant. Has anyone heard of Abraham? We're going to get into Elijah, but Abraham, Moses, right? Abraham was a friend of God according to his righteousness. And then you got Moses who God told Aaron and Miriam, whenever I speak to a prophet, I speak to them in dreams and visions, but... With Moses, I speak face to face as a friend. Now, Elijah, this is how I want to depart from earth. Uh, this, this guy was caught up in a whirlwind in a chariot and a horse of fire. He had deep, close friendship with God. And then you got Enoch in Genesis 5.24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And then you hear about him again in Hebrews. Imagine that. You have such close friendship, such a relationship with God that he doesn't let you die. He takes you from the earth. Now, some of y'all are like, I want to try that out. I don't know how you try it. Uh, I think you just get closer to the Lord and maybe it'll work. Maybe we all can depart that way. That's, that's one of my goals. Has anyone seen 
any of these films, Finger of God or Finger of God 2, you have, you guys have awesome. Yeah, they're, they're really good. Now, in Finger of God 2, one of the preachers I was interviewed, he said something that I've not forgotten to this day. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's not exactly word for word what he said. But this is, this is what we're aiming for. I want to have such history with God on this side of eternity that when I cross over to the next, it's like we're just continuing our friendship. Let me read it one more time, a little bit slower. I want to have such history with God on this side of eternity, like right now, that whenever I cross over to the next, it's like we're just continuing our friendship. I'm, I'm not going to go over again verses 16 and 17 of this passage. I'm going to dive deeper in that this Friday at Encounter and going over Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. I just want to share some stories with the remainder time that we have left. Uh, the first service, we got out really early, so I might get you guys out at um, 3 o'clock. No, I'll, I'll get you out at a good time. But has anyone heard of Joe Moody? No? Sam, I know you have. Yes. All right. So Joe Moody, she was a lady. She had nerve damage in a certain area of her body for 14 to 15 years, something like that. She actually prophesied over me a few years ago. This girl got healed, miraculously healed at a conference. And she, now she travels around and she preaches the gospel and she um, heals other people. Her spiritual daughter, Jessica Tate, I saw her earlier this year at a saturated event in North Carolina. And I never heard of this girl. She's preaching at this tent and I'm ready to run. I mean, like, run around the tent, do backflips. I used to do parkour, and I haven't put out a backflip in a while, but I probably could have because this girl was spitting straight fire. So, yeah, spitting straight fire. So she was preaching, and she was telling the story about how God spoke to her. And she travels around the world as well and goes to different countries. Well, I'm going to tell her story, but... Maybe not tell it as well because I don't remember all the parts, but basically she's in this other country and she can't get on the Wi-Fi and she needs the Wi-Fi to actually access, you know, service to do what she needs to do because there's no other service. And so she's trying to figure out how in the world do I get on the Wi-Fi? I forgot to ask for the Wi-Fi. Well, eventually she feels like Holy Spirit prompts her. How about you ask me? She asks God. God gives her the Wi-Fi password and she types it in and it works. And she, what, what she, what she was getting at was, you know, casting out the demons and all that stuff is really cool. That's amazing, but this is where the gold is at, like having that day to day relationship with God. Amen. Like, do you actually want that? You know this guy? Some of y'all know this guy. All right, this is Smith Wigglesworth. I don't, I don't recommend primarily his form of evangelism, but I don't also condemn it either. This is a guy who used to like kick babies and punch people to see them get healed. Uh, so that's why I mean, like, I don't necessarily recommend it. If God's telling you to do that, you, you do it, but uh, I don't think they're practicing that in EE or anything. So Smith Wigglesworth, I mean, this dude was the real deal. Uh, there's thousands, I mean, there's so many stories. I remember reading a story from him. Um, there's a book, just a collection of just testimonies from him. And I remember reading it one day and my wife, she just got her teeth, uh, two, it was like two molars pulled or something. And she was in so much pain one night. 
And I prayed over her and nothing happened. And I remember she woke up in the middle of the night just aching and crying, actually. And she went to go get her ice pack and it busted on the floor. And she was, I mean, she was having a bad time. And I remember reading that book and I thought, we don't have a doctor right now in this moment. The pain medicine isn't working, but we have Jesus. And so I laid hands on her and I prayed for her and the pain left and never came back. And so it was from reading just testimonies of Smith Wigglesworth. This was a guy that he had a dead person and he stands him up against the wall. The dude slithers down, stands him up again, slithers down. And then now his wife is yelling at him, like, you've gone too far. Please stop. Imagine that, right? Like one of your loved ones and you're just seeing this happen. Well, he stands him up again and he prays for him and he comes back to life. This is true stories. My favorite story, this dude had deep friendship and identity, deep friendship with the Lord, and he knew his identity and authority in Christ. He's sleeping. He wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears a, he hears a stump. He hears something in the middle of the night. Does anyone know where I'm going? Has anyone heard the story before? Some of y'all? Okay, yeah. He wakes up in the middle of the night, goes to check it out, and what he sees is Lucifer. Now, Lucifer is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at one place like God. So Lucifer came to visit Smith. How we're looking at each other, like it was that full. It was, it was that clear. It was that manifestation. So Lucifer appears to Smith Wigglesworth fully manifested. His response, though, is insane. This is what Smith does. He looks at Lucifer and he says, oh, it's just you. And goes back to bed. Amen, right? That's awesome. Come on. That's goals. That's what we want. That's what we're after. That is the more of God. That you know your authority so much. He didn't, it, and again, it wasn't a demon. This was Lucifer himself. He just looks at him and says, oh, it's just you. What is he going to do when you know your authority in Christ? That's amazing. And then, does anyone know this person? Catherine Kuhlman? Some of y'all probably met her in person. I'm going to tell a story. Worship team, y'all can actually come back up. I'm going to tell a story of Catherine Kuhlman. I've only read this three times. Once on Facebook, um, another time, and then the other time was the first service. So I try not to read it as much because the first two times I read it, I mean, I heavily felt God's presence on me. And I'm not saying like you have to feel God's presence when you hear this, but... This story is, again, just it's like goals. Like, this is what we aim for. It's the story of how she passed away in 1976. This is what it says. When Catherine Kuhlman passed away in 1976, all of the power went out in an 800-bed hospital. Her heartbeat should have read as irregular and then moved to flatline. Her heart had been fine altogether her organs, her other organs were failing, although her other organs were failing. But she never went to an irregular heartbeat. Catherine was gone in the blink of an eye. Fifteen minutes after she passed, after the brand new nurse, her first day on the job, who was an unbeliever, went in to take her pulse. Catherine wasn't cold. Catherine wasn't warm. Catherine was hot. The air in her room was thick with the fragrance of roses. Not a few roses, millions of roses. So I want you to get a check of that. 
The head nurse in charge came on the unit to write up the time of death. The time was 1.13 a.m. on February 20th. 1.13 a.m. on February 20th. She chastened the new nurse for allowing roses on the ICU floor. Flowers aren't allowed in the ICU. The scent of roses didn't fill one room or one floor, but four floors of the hospital were overtaken by the scent of roses. The scent then permeated across the underpass that was connected to the hospital and then across the street and into the adjoining hospital. There were no roses on the floor in Catherine's room, but that's where the fragrance originated from. The new nurse said that she and the other nurse could barely stand in the room because the presence of the Holy Spirit was so overwhelming. The weight of glory. When they checked the notes from the previous nurse, she had scribbled Catherine's final words and her last request. Stay with me. This is what Catherine's words were. I shall die on February 20th at 1.13 a.m. Please have only roses at my funeral. The new unbelieving nurse dropped in a chair, weeping, having been touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, to leave this world in that kind of glory, to bring just one more into the kingdom at your death and to be greeted with roses. Catherine was met with millions of roses in the voice of her first love. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that good? That's amazing. Come on. That's amazing. All right, so I feel like obviously there's some of us in here, we may be spiritually dry. Again, I said this last time as I spoke on hunger. Some of us may be complacent in our walk where we're glad that we are coming to church and we're giving our money, right? That's awesome. But God is calling us to an upgrade from servants, not only servants, but deep friendship of close proximity to him. I want to leave a life like that. So what I'm going to ask is everyone go ahead and stand up as the rest of the worship team is going to come back up. We're going to sing a song. And I want you guys just to be free. I want to say you have permission to praise God, to go after friendship with the Lord, because I believe that God is tugging on some of y'all's hearts. Even if it's one person, I know that God has given me this message and confirmed it, obviously through a friend, that someone needs to hear that, that there's more than the Christian life of what you're currently seeing, that you can have a closer friendship, this day-to-day intimacy with God, the creator of the universe. Obviously, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. To come talk to somebody, pray with someone. And if this message has provoked you or stirred your heart, and you're saying, I want to live like Elijah, like Abraham, like Moses, 
I want my life legacy to look like Catherine Kuhlman. I want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not whenever I come into the kingdom, you barely made it. So if that's you, everyone just close your eyes. You may even put your hand on your heart, but I just want you to just do some time of reflection. God knows your heart. He knows everything of what you need. He knows what's hindering you from from growing closer to him. But he's asking what he's been asking for years is just, can I have your yes? Will you say yes to me? Can I have your yes? It doesn't matter what it looks like. Can I have your yes? Will you say yes? Will you obey? Will you love me? Will you sacrifice? Are you reliable? Can I trust you with what I'm saying to you? We're going to sing this song, and if that's you, these altars are open. You can come to the steps, and you can pray. Some of you guys may need to repent, change the way you think about how you're living for the Lord, and go fully in for them as people have gotten baptized and shown that, that, that all in, as Jennifer said, like I'm all in going after this friendship with the Lord. We love you, Father.
want to be the Lord's friends and there's like this shame that's keeping you locked down 
You can't do this Christian life without the blood of Jesus. You can't do this Christian life without him continually saving you from glory to glory. And your belief system, I feel like he's wanting to take that belief system off of you and letting you know you can be his friend because of of his blood and his cleansing. And there's some of you that you have that heart longing inside of you to be his friend. And he's wanting you to lay down that shame this morning. Are you ready to lay down that shame? Come on. Yes. Are you ready to lay down that shame, that self-belief? I could never, I heard, I heard him tell me, he said, there's a lot of people in here. They say, I, I live with myself. I know I can't be the Lord's friend. And he is wanting to set himself up that truth and cast those lies down. So let's let his truth cast those lies down. So Lord, we just do, we lift your name higher. We lift your name higher than addiction. We lift your name higher than depression. We lift your name higher than shame. I break the back of shame right now in the name of Jesus. Get off of these children of God. They're made to be your friends. And we silence the voice of the accuser that's telling them they can't be your friend. We cast that lie down. Thank you, Jesus, that you're setting your children free to love you. Free to know you. Free to be with you. You're breaking the power of sin by your blood. I just plead your blood over every mind in here. I pray that you'd give them sound minds. You're breaking forgetfulness in Jesus' name. You're healing broken bodies in Jesus' name. Jesus, we lift your name higher in here. We lift your truth higher than every demonic lie that would keep us separated from you. We say no more separation. There is now therefore no condemnation in Jesus' name. I cast down a spirit of condemnation in Jesus' name. Let's begin to sing this out. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted
go again. No, I'm kidding. That was amazing. Oh, I could go all the rest of the night. Praise the Lord. If you have babies in the nursery, uh, make sure you go get them. There's four more baptisms after this service. I feel like the Lord spoke to me um, as I was praying last night. I gave this at the first service, um, but I forgot to ask them to come forward. So if you're watching or if you're in here, if your name is Shelby, uh, there's a Shelby and you have a back injury, maybe from a car crash. It doesn't have to be a car crash, but I felt like the Lord gave me the name Shelby with a back injury. Uh, could you come afterwards? And we just want to pray for you. I believe that God has called you out so that we could lay hands on you and, and see his, his, his love come through and touch you in a mighty way. Um, let's pray and then say hi to someone, love one, someone. This is a family here. It's family ministry Sunday. Love you guys. I'm so grateful to be in the house of the Lord with all of you guys. Let's go after friendship with God together. God, here we are. God, here we are. I thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are. We glorify you. We honor you. We give you deep reverence, God. God, thank you, Lord, that we could just embody your spirit that you are so close to us that you want to be one with us through your spirit. God, I pray that you would give us remembrance of that, that we carry and we possess your living spirit on the inside of us, that with you, all things are possible. We love you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you're encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the CUS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thank you again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.